Welcome to the Restore Church Sermons podcast. We're so glad you joined us here today. We hope that through this message, you are encouraged, challenged, and strengthened. If you want to know more about Jesus, Restore Church, or have any questions, please head to restorechurch.com.au. Great. So, uh, so today we have Henry speaking. Henry's one of my friends from, um, from a long way back. So we actually met at search camp years ago. And uh, Henry was kind of like youth leader back then. He was very intimidating and I thought he was a very scary kind of guy. And then somehow, I don't remember exactly how, but we became mates. And so we're good friends now and uh, we kind of catch up with Henry and Beck every now and then. And we, have, um, both, we both have little kids. So, you know, as soon as you have like, a young couple with kids, you automatically just become good friends, right? That's how it works. And so... So, uh, so Henry's a great friend, and he's been serving Jesus a long time, and he's got a great story, and he is a Kiwi, he's from New Zealand, but he's been living here a while, and uh, so uh, Henry, I'm going to get you to come up, buddy, and Henry's uh, at St. Stephen's Anglican Church in Belrose, um, and he's very un-Anglican, but he's doing a great job there, and uh, I'm just going to give it over to you, mate, do you mind if I pray for you? Sure. Cool. He's a bit bigger than me, in case you haven't noticed. Um, should have get nasty to be on MC this morning to make you intimidate. Anyway. Lord, we just thank you so much for, uh, for Henry. We thank you for his heart. We thank you for his love for young people and, and just all people. We just pray that you just bless him this morning as he speaks. We're just excited for what you're going to share through him this morning, God. And so we just, we just pray a blessing over him. Amen. Over to you, bud. Good morning. Oh, okay. It doesn't tilt. Um, yeah, so I've known Jake and Hannah for a while and Kate and Nathan and Chloe and Tom and Matt and a few other people I've met before. So it's lovely to be here. Um, yeah, I met Jake, in, like he was saying, a few years ago at a search camp. Um, and that's where I kind of got to know him a bit. And I started to become friends with him. And then there was this girl, Hannah, who was single. And uh, there was a few horses in the race for, to win her love. And I had my money on Jake. And I wanted him. I wanted, I wanted Jake to win. And so he won. So that's a little bit about their story. If you want to hear... <laughs> If you want to hear about uh, Hannah's other suitors, I'll be happy to give you a bit of a lowdown. <clears throat> uh, this morning, I kind of wanted to um, hopefully do a short message. Hopefully, I say that. Because um, my wife always tells me, I always say I'm going to do a short message, but I never do. Ephesians, from the book of Ephesians. Um, so a little bit about my life. Like I'm from New Zealand, uh, from Christchurch, actually. My name is Henry Earl Simpson's very English-sounding name, but I'm actually a uh, Samoan, Tongan, Fijian, Scottish, English, German Jew. <laughs> so I'm very mixed. Uh, I've got 81 first cousins, just on my mum's side only. Um, so I've come from a very big family. It's very communal, very community-orientated. Um, and I was brought up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents uh, were fresh Christians, didn't really know... Um, what does that look like to raise your kids in a Christian home? So there was a lot of struggles. Um, and eventually um, I moved, I grew up, turned about 17, and I had my prodigal son journey where I decided to go and discover the world and try and be cool as I could. Uh, I don't know if you know, but Pacific Islanders have a lot of pressure to be cool. I don't know if you get to know that. Because um, always, people always expect that we're tough, that we can do the haka. Um, but we love footy, which I kind of do all those things, but, <laughs> but people expect it of you, so it's kind of like, you've got this sort of pressure to be a certain persona and certain kind of cool, tough guy, but sometimes you're just like, I just want to relax and just chill out, man, like, no, I don't want to do the haka right now, it's, I've just met you. Um, 
So anyway, that's a little bit about my story. Um, I've got eight brothers and sisters. Um, what else can I tell you? And I'm at an Anglican church in the Northern Beaches. Been there for four years. I'm the youth minister there, and I help coordinate the night service. And I'm married with two kids. Um, their names are Hadley Benjamin Simpson and Ashley Paul Simpson. Ashley Paul, Asher Paul Simpson. <laughs> Oopsie. Um, sorry, Asher. And yeah, and so we've just had a um, newborn. It's two weeks old, almost. So I've come out of a long haul of disrupted sleep, chocolate eating, ice cream eating, and just a whole bunch of bad food and doing no exercise at all. I did notice that Jake and tried to challenge me to um, exercise thing on the Apple Watches. Um, and I was like, no. Obviously, I've had a newborn, so I'm not going to be able to give you that award. <laughs> Try to get a free badge off me. Anyway. So I want to start with um, Ephesians chapter 1, and it says, Paul, an apostle of God. Oh, let me read it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Pretty simple. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So there's kind of four things I want to look at. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Okay? So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. A few years ago, I did this... um, thing where I said to my pastor, I will teach a, um, like a little Bible study on Ephesians at the church. And I was, it's one of those things that you say yes to, but you didn't really want to say yes to. You kind of just like got stuck in it. And so I said yes to um, doing this Ephesians course, and Ephesians quickly became my favorite book. And so if you read the um, book of Ephesians, chapter 1, 2, and 3, it's very high on identity and who we are. Who am I in Christ? What do I look like in the spirit realm? What sort of, you know, things has Jesus done for me? And so if you read through the first three chapters, it's very high on identity, and it tells you who you are, what you um, have available to you, um, things like that. And then the last kind of three chapters, you start to move in towards some more practical stuff. But I just want to um, highlight just on that um, first verse, and that is Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And so I just want to start with um, the last part is by the will of God. By the will of God. And it's just a very simple question. And the thought is this. Are you in the right place? Why are you at this church? What brings you here? Are you in the Lord's will? That's kind of a sort of a freaky question too, because it's like, God, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I in the right job, God? That's a scary question to ask. Who wants to ask that? I don't want to ask that. It's like, because what if the answer is, no, you're not. And it's like, oh, well, I've got two kids, and I'm supposed to pay the bills, and you know what I mean? But the whole idea of being in the will of God is a tough question to ask. And I always find it funny that young people, I'm a youth pastor, so I might do a lot of young people's things. Sorry about that. Um, I always find it funny that young people always seem to know the will of God really strongly when it comes to choosing their girlfriend or their boyfriend. It's like, oh, yeah, I just really feel this is of the will of God. Like, I was praying last night, and all the doors opened. And I really felt like I got a vision. It was an eagle and a rock. And like God was sort of just saying, be free. And so I just really, you know, and you're like, all the mature Christians are staring at you like, you are not ready for a relationship. You are far from ready. But okay, the will of God. So the will of God's like this funny thing, right? And I, I actually think that the will of God is not that easy to always understand. And for me, one of the things like... I take it for granted that most of you know that getting to know the will of God is a couple of simple things to do. Pray, read the Bible, listen to older people. 
you know, pretty simple. Do those things for many years, obey them, and then you start to get a little inkling of what, is, what does it mean to do the things of God, right? And so for me, it's like following the will of God. I mean, let's take Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, dear brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And do no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve the will of God, his holy and good and pleasing will. And it's like, there's a couple of things you've got to do before you understand the will of God. It's like a little thing called sacrifice, which is really easy to say, very hard to do. If you had kids, it's like, oh my gosh. I thought I, had, I, thought I was like um, a really busy person. Then I got married, and I was like, oh, my gosh, they're just always there. <laughs> then, you have, <laughs> then you have your first kid, and you're like, what a shock to the system. Oh, my Lord. I thought I was busy before I had a kid. Then we had a kid, and you're like, gosh, how am I going to keep doing this? Then I just had another one two weeks ago. I was like, what am I doing, God? I don't think I can handle it. And I don't know how people have more than two kids. I don't know how my mom had eight kids. This is crazy. Um, but the will of God's not that easy. And so I want to kind of just throw this idea out to you. Are you in the will of God? Have you been trying to discern it? Have you been praying into it? When I first moved to St. Stephen's Church, I didn't actually want to go to that church. I hope this is not live streamed or something. <laughs> I didn't actually want to go um, to the church because, one, it was Anglican. Two, I'm judgmental, so I assumed that they were Anglican like a certain way that I don't like. Um, and three, I liked my home church that I was brought up in. When you sow into people's lives for 12 or more years and you give and you sacrifice and you see young people raised up, you don't really want to leave because it's your family. You know, Chloe's up here this morning. She's like, I love this church. I was like, wow, it's amazing. When you love people because you've been pouring out and you've been sowing in and investing, you want to stay there. And so I didn't want to leave. I'm like, no, God, this is obviously not the will of God because I want to stay here. And then I had this vision, and in the vision, it was like, um, do you guys know um, the pillar of fire in the Old Testament? And wherever the pillar went, you would follow the pillar, and when the pillar stopped, you would set up camp, and this is where you stayed. And then when the Lord was ready to move on, the pillar would move on. And the Israelites would go, oh, the pillar's gone. Okay, it's over there. So you'd, everyone will pack up the tents. You can imagine it'd probably be a big ordeal. It's like search, time, search camp times a million. And then... They're just moving to follow this big cloud. And so I had this vision that the pillar of fire had moved on, and I was just, now nah, I'm staying here, God. This is where I want to be, in my own little tent. And no one was around me. It was just dry, parched land, this little tent, and God had moved on. And God was, like, saying to me, Henry, you can stay at that church if you want. That's fine. But I'm going over here, and are you going to follow me? Or are you going to do your own thing? And I think, you know, that's kind of the hard things of the will of God, isn't it? Am I prepared to uproot everything and move to the next thing? Or am I comfortable where I am? And so being in the will of God is a hard thing. Um, I remember when, um, when I was at high school, I had a friend called Bernie Tamari. And Bernie Tamari um, was a full-on Jesus frother like you've never seen before. You have never seen this kind of kid at high school. He'd walk around with this big brown King James Bible Carried around, proud. He would stand in the quad and just hold it up and preach. And he was good at preaching. He was actually good at it. So you'd actually kind of want to listen to him. He's like, this guy's got some skills. And if he found out you were a Christian, it was like game over. He's like, oh, bro, 
come, bro, I've got this. And you're kind of like, I'm just at high school. I don't really like want to show people I'm a Christian. Like, can we just go to this corner over here? And he's like talking too loud about Jesus and saying the name too loud. And you're kind of getting a bit embarrassed because it's like, yo, we're at school, man. Like, let's just keep it down a bit. It's no too to be, you know. And he's all so excited. He's got, I've got this word for you, bro, and blah, blah, blah. And Jesus wants to do this in your life. And we're going to do a Christian concert at school. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Go for it, man. He's like, I want you to play the guitar. No, no, no. No. What do you mean? Because my school, I don't know if my school was a was the lowest academic performing school in all of Christchurch, still is to this day, and it's just packed with Pacific Islanders. We're pretty good at a couple of good things, at um, music and sports. That's probably the only two things we want to do. As far as schoolwork, it's like, mm, not really. And so here, this school's not the kind of school to be a Jesus prophet. It's the kind of school to kind of be cool and tough and good at sports and music. And so here's my friend, comes up to me and says, hey, Henry, I want you to um, come play the guitar, and I'm going to sing some songs. And then I'm going to preach, and it's going to be a great Jesus concert, and people are going to come. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. So I went home that night. I was like, nah, no, I'm just not going to. Maybe probably just don't come to school. Has anyone ever, ever done that thing where you got speeches, and you just don't come to school? You're absent that day. I was trying to do something like that. But then I was like, kind of like thinking about it, and something inside my heart, something of the Lord was saying, I want you to go and do that concert. I'm like, God, I'm not like Bernie. Like, I'm not out there. I'm not excited. I don't read my Bible as much as he clearly does. He carries it around. You know, I don't have highlights anywhere on my thing. It's like, and so next thing you know, I find myself in the school hall at lunchtime, and Bernie had gone around every roll call class and, and basically got up and did his own little private notice saying he's going to do a Christian concert and it'd be great if you come and Jesus loves you and he wants all of you to come. And I'm in this hall, I'm playing the guitar, my head down, embarrassed, ashamed to be here. And Bernie's singing like just straight normal church hymn songs. They're not even that cool. They're not like, it's not like he was trying to do a few secular songs to warm the crowd up. He's just straight into praise and worship. I'm just like, well, this is, a, this is cold. <laughs> like no one's into this. But he's just going for it. And the, the thing is, he was a really good singer. He's an awesome singer. So he's singing, I'm playing the guitar. I'm just like, God, why am I here? But all right, if you want me to do this sort of thing, if this is the kind of thing that Christians do, all right. Because I didn't really know, you know what I mean? So I'm just doing it. And I look up and I'm like, there's heaps of kids in here. And they're all just silently watching. No one's throwing rubbish. You know, because you always imagine like the worst thing. Kids won't like it. They're throwing, they're booing. They're all, they were all open. And we did many of these concerts. And I remember in year 11, Bernie would drag me along to the nightclubs in Christchurch. I'm year 11, I'm at these nightclubs, the Bridge of Remembrance, and we would set up a, like a little drum kit and some guitars, and we would sing songs, and then Bernie would like try to talk to drunken people about God, and a few other older people, and I was just a quiet guy in the corner hoping no one came to me. <laughs> it's like, what am I doing here? Why am I like, I'm not, I don't even know what to say. What if someone asks me about God? Like, what do I say? Do you know what I mean? But something inside me wanted, I felt like God was saying, Henry, you need to hang around with this guy. He's going to show you some things. And years later, I see the things that God's taken me through, and I'm like, it started with following this guy. And sometimes, you know, finding the will of God often looks like a lot of hard things. The will of God often looks like work. And it comes dressed in overalls, and no one wants to do work, right? We all want to sit down and chill and come to church on Sunday and just, hey, how are you? You're good, thanks. How was your day? Yeah, great. How was work? Yeah, really good. Yeah, how's the mortgage? Yeah, just paying off more. You know, I wish I had a mortgage. <laughs> Don't have a mortgage. 
Um, oh, just another quick story, okay? My wife, Beck, I remember um, a few years ago praying, God, is this the girl you want me to marry? Like, we weren't even going out. I just liked her. But I was one of those uh, serious guys. I'm like, I'm not in this for summer loving anymore, Lord. I just want to, like, settle down. I want to get married. I'm 20-something. You know what I mean? Like, it's time to, like, you know, get this thing going. I like her. Is she the one? Pretty simple prayer, right? Start praying for a couple of weeks. And then one night I'm in my room, and I, like, have this vision. Like, it's like a dream, and it's, like, the most supernatural thing that's ever happened in my life. It's very hard to explain. But I had this kind of, like, just dream. We were on this boat, and we're heading towards this island, and it's me and Beck at the front of the boat, like Titanic. Okay? And we're staring at this island. We get to this island. We get off at the island, and then we're, like, meeting people that we all know. And it's kind of like we're together. And then then there's this, like, big basketball court. And, like, the basketball court, I'm, like, playing basketball, and I'm showing off. Like, because you know when you like someone and you try and show off heaps? If you're at church, you're trying to do it in an undercover way, like maybe lead a worship song or something. Um, And so, like, I'm at this basketball court, and I'm showing off, and she's watching me. And I'm like, she's watching me. She's, like, interested. Like, I think this is the Lord. And then on the side of this basketball court, there's this room. And in the room, they're they're just singing worship songs and singing praise and worship songs. And we come into this room, and we sit down, and I look at Beck, and she looks at me, and I'm like, hey, this is so kind of, I don't know what we're doing. It's kind of a cheesy, lovey-dovey thing. And she looks at me, and she's like, I just want to grow in God, and starts crying. And I'm like, me too. And then I come out of the dream, and I'm like, in my bed, my, it's like my spirit came back to my body, and my body was wide awake. It's the only way I can explain it. And I come back, and I'm like, wide awake, and I'm like, God, what's happening? And I sit up on my bed, and I just start immediately crying, like just boiling, like a 25-year-old Kiwi man crying. I probably haven't cried since I got a hiding from my mum and dad. So I'm sitting there crying, and I'm like, the presence of God in my room is so thick. And I'm just like, what is happening, God? Why are you talking to me? Like, are you telling me she's the one? Oh, this, that's why I've been praying. Should I marry this girl? Are you saying yes? And so I flick open my Bible. I do the random thing, you know. <laughs> the first verse I read was, do not be afraid to take this woman as your wife. And I'm just like, Okay, God, I get it. I get it. We've got the Bible verse. We've got the prayer thing. We've got the dreams. We've got all the regular bases covered. She's a good girl. Been having dinner in their house. She, she loves Jesus. So we're going to be equally yoked. Um, it's all popping off. And so it was like, but that was like, I reckon probably a month of praying and then having this vision and then having the word and then being in their house and watching them have dinner and watching what she's like. I was like a stalker, but seeing, is she really nice to people all the time? I was like, oh, yeah, she is. They're like hug their brothers and sisters and they love each other. It's just so weird. I'm from a family where we just fight all the time. So I was just like, man, thank you, God. And so we, we ended up going out and it took us seven years of this very hard journey where the mom and dad, we kind of had this um, Romeo and Juliet thing going on. She was like a drug addict from the wrong side of town and didn't have much going for her. And I was like homeschooled, good, well-natured boy. That might be the other way around. But um, (laughs) the will of God, it's a hard thing. And so I want to challenge you guys and ask yourself these questions. Why are you here? What brings you to this church? Are you in the right job? That's, That's a tough, I would hate if God told me something else. 
Are you in the right job? Are you in the right place? Are you willing to change? Okay. Next point, of Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. So Jesus, I mean, we all know Jesus. We're going to do communion soon. It's a pretty basic thing. You learn it in Scripture when you're a little kid. Um, but if you get Jesus wrong, you'll pretty much get everything wrong. It's the foundational thing to build off. Especially when you're in a church that's like, um, I'm assuming this church is kind of Pentecostal. No, no? Yeah, okay. We've got a good, we've got a good. Um, so when you're kind of in those sort of churches, people start to get worried when you talk about the Holy Spirit too much. And it's like, oh, no, Holy Spirit, you're not going to start doing weird stuff, are you? And you're like, and what I always say to people is just get Jesus right. Make him the foundation. Stand strong on who he is and what he did for you. That's the foundation. And when you have Jesus right, everything else is easier. I love the Holy Spirit. I love to speak in tongues. I love to do all those things. That's why I didn't really want to go to my church that I'm currently at because I was kind of Pentecostal natured. But once you have Jesus as a foundation and he's so sure, you're so sure of who he is, what he did on the cross, then it's so much easier to invite the Holy Spirit and not be afraid of these things because you have this foundation that's not going anywhere. Do you know what I mean? And so things can start to get a bit wavy. You're like, oh, I don't know if the church is starting to head in a Pentecostal direction. I'm not involved. You know, it's like, just come back to the just come back to Jesus and relax, take a breath. You know, as long as Jesus is there, you can enjoy everything else. And you don't have to be so anxious about it. And so Jesus, um, when I was a little boy, my mom used to sing songs all the time. And uh, I was always in the context, this is going to sound a bit funny, but it was always in the context of uh, physical abuse. Like, my dad was a very angry man, and in Pacific Island culture, we just do knockout and blackout. There's no timeout. That's for the white kids, you know? We did knockout and blackout, and it was literal, so it was kind of funny now, but at the time, it wasn't that funny. So my dad would sometimes beat my mum up, take off in the truck, and come back two or three days later, the eight kids huddling in the room upstairs, crying, and like, don't know what to do, and, you know, mum and dad are yelling, screaming, things are going on. And I always remember my mum would come downstairs and sing songs. And she would sing these songs to Jesus, and there was something about it that just the peace came over the whole house. She used to sing this one song. Do you guys know this song, He is Lord? He is Lord, He is Lord. You know the song? He is risen from the dead, and He is Every knee shall bow. Every time confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's so cool because being young and having um, being young and having a mum that just worshipped God. It wasn't a performance, there's no church around, we're just at home, dad's left, things are going bad in the house. And mum's just singing, pouring out songs to Jesus. And there was something about that as a young boy. I just got caught up. I was just like, boom. I'm at peace. Jesus is Lord. He is good. And it's funnily enough, it was my dad who taught me to pray. He would often put me to bed. And he would pray over me. And he'd often, um, he'd often pray in tongues. He was a funny guy like this. And he'd pray in tongues over me. And then he would pray for me. And then he would always say, Henry, put Jesus first in your life. Put family second and education third. He's an Islander, so, you know, we're usually not doing too well. You know, he wants, you know, Islanders came over to New Zealand because they want to make it out of the hood, so to speak. They're trying to, you know, get up in the, in the world. 
And so my dad was always like, education, you know, you've got to do your education. And so I learned from a young age through the context of the abuse to put Jesus first and to put him first and to make him the foundation and to get him right and to see that he can move in those situations at home and just take a bad situation and just, we're at peace. Not only are we at peace, we're just like, boom, the Lord's here, Jesus is moving, mom's singing some songs, dad comes back a few days later, and they're still married, and they've done so well, and they're still together. And, um, you know, he just had anger issues, and one time, now that I'm a parent, I realize parents aren't perfect at all, and they're just doing their best. And so get Jesus right. Are you yielded to him? Is your knee bowed? If Jesus asked you to do something different, this kind of links into the will of God. If Jesus said, hey, Henry, I want you to move to another country and do this, would you go, okay, I feel like I want to say yes. I mean, we'd all say yes, theologically. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, do you actually say yes? You know what I mean? And then um, the third one, how long how, am I going all right? An apostle. So by the will of God, of Christ Jesus, an apostle. This kind of want to look at your gift and your calling. Your gifts and your calling. Um, one of the first things I want to say about your gifts and your calling is don't promote yourself. Don't try to be something. Try to have a gift. Let the Lord do it. Do the work. Just be, let's relax. Let the Lord do the work. Let the people in the church call you out. Do you know what I mean? I don't know how many times you come across people like, What's your gift? What's your calling? Oh, I think I need to be a leader. I need to get up the front and say something. So go, hang on, how about you just come to church every week first? <laughs> Let's just start with that and see how we go. How about you just be obedient to a couple of simple things before you want to preach up the front? And it's like, oh, people say, yo, I feel like I'm a prophet. Okay, well, prophets also, you know, serve and do other things. It's not about being out there. And so for me... I never try to promote myself. I've noticed through my life that the things that have God has worked powerfully through me is just being like God has done the work. Like, because I never really wanted to be a leader because I was quite smart. I knew leaders do a lot of work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I knew that a leader's not that glamorous. And then like, youth lead, you, young youth come to me and go, I want to be a youth leader. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you, really, you actually don't. Trust me, it's so good just to come to church, sit down and leave when you want, and that's it. You know, I've got stuff to do on Sunday. I want to get back, watch the block reveals and Survivor, um, whatever it's on, you know. Yeah, I don't actually want to be at church, the last person to turn off all the lights and wrap it all up and have to come up with something to say at the end of the sermon and drum up some energy because the church looks flat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes it's like, you don't really want to be a leader. But if the Lord does the work, then you don't have to try and be the leader because God's doing something in your heart. And you're simply just following his lead. So the first thing I will say, don't promote yourself. Second, just say yes to stuff. Just say yes. Just say yes. Say yes and let your mind go crazy over why you said that. I shouldn't have said that. Why did I do that? I should not have said yes. I, that's one of the one things I've done that's worked for me is just say yes. Henry, can you speak and do this thing? Yeah, okay. And then I'll go away and worry about it. Will you be in the worship team? He's like, yeah, okay. Can you do um, tonight? Yeah, okay. And just keep saying yes to every single thing that came across your path. And you watch God increase your capacity. Because you'll get stretched. Here's the thing. When you say yes, you will be stretched. 
God will often take you to do things that you don't actually want to do. Well, most of the time, actually. You know, you don't actually want to do that. I don't really want to do that. The lazy side of me would prefer to just relax. But when God calls you into stuff, he usually gets you to do stuff that it's very hard so that you actually need him. So they actually like in prayer and in faith rather than in skill and talent. Do you know what I mean? It's easy to do and get away with skills and talent, but it's very hard to step into something you don't, you're not good at. I have no idea how to do this. I've never done this before, and yet here I am. First time I spoke in high school, Richmond High, um, my pastor just put me on the spot, just right in the room. We're sitting in the room. I thought I was just going to come along to the high school scripture, sit at the back and just see what happens and kind of be the quiet guy and maybe talk to some of the cool kids because I'm cool. That's what, that's what I thought I was going to do. Um, and then on the first day in the high school, my pastor said, hey, Henry, can you come and share your testimony up the front? And I said, okay. Walked up the front and I just made something up. <laughs> it's my own story. You should be able to tell your own story, right? You should be able to say, this is what happened to me and this is why I'm a Christian. And I was terrible, I think. I can't remember it. But I remember just being put on the spot and just responding and saying, okay, I'll do that. And you've got to realize when I came to Australia, I was very shy. I'd always look down, didn't like looking people in the eyes because I felt inferior because I've um, had an inferiority complex when I was young. Um, there was an Indian girl at my school and um, everyone used to tease her because she was brown. And then I would tease her too. And I'm brown, I don't know why. <laughs> but I just thought, yeah, all the kids are doing it, let's just tease her. Yeah, you're brown, you're dark, you say all these things. And in the back of my, what started to build up inside me was that being dark and brown is not good. Do you know what I mean? It's not a, a nice thing and it'd be better if you're white. And so I used to pray every night to God that I'd wake up in the morning and have white skin. So weird, you know? And so when I first came to Australia, I, was, had a very, I wasn't as confident as, as I am now. I was actually head down, don't want to look at anyone, don't want to talk. I had a stutter. I had a Kiwi slang slur that was very hard to understand. But through the grace of God, I've said yes to things, and God has got me to do stuff that has made me grow. And so when you're looking to find your gifting and your calling, as Paul said, I'm an apostle, say yes to stuff and be prepared to stretch. And when you stretch and you grow and you do hard stuff, you will grow pretty simple. <laughs> Last one. Paul, just his name. Um, and the, thought, the thing I wrote down here was, know your story, share your story, be awkward, fail lots. So know your story, share your story. I mean, because we think, when we think of the word Paul, Paul we knew, we know used to be Saul. So he has a testimony in that name. There's, a, there's something there, right? So all of us have our own names, and behind all of our own names, there's a story. There's a mum and there's a dad, or there's, you know, mum or a dad, or there's whatever there is, okay? And so all of us have a story. What is our story? Do I know my story? Can I articulate it and share that story? I've, quite, I've heard people share this story before, and I thought to myself, oh, I could share that story so well. That's a cool story. And the, I guess what the lesson is that sometimes you've got to learn to articulate your story and share it in a way. Because everyone thinks if you're from a Christian home, you're like, oh, I've got a boring story. I'm just brought up in a Christian home. That's it. It's like, well, actually, that's probably a better story to share because most people will relate to that. Very rarely do people in the church relate to the drug addict and the alcoholic and, the, you know, all these things. Sometimes it's like the regular story of the everyday Joe blog who's just brought up in church. 
So articulate it, learn to do it, and have fun sharing it and having awkward moments at, at work. I remember I started sharing at work. Um, see, this is where Bernie comes into play, because Bernie taught me don't be afraid. Just don't go for stuff. And I remember when I was at work, I, I used to do landscaping and concreting. You know, you wear the high-vis, you're sitting around smoker, and you, I would just purposely, all right, I'm getting out my Bible. I'm just going to read it in front of everyone. And someone's going to ask me something, and I'm ready to go. And, you know, I've had some awkward conversations on the work sites. And people are like, oh, you believe in that crap? Uh, yeah, what about this and that? And I'm just like, do you really want me to answer that? Because once I stick going, I'm going to keep going here. They're like, oh, no, it's all right, bro. It's all right, chill. Like, okay, cool, cool. Just letting you know I'm a Jesus frother. So I'm, I'm, I want to talk about God here with you. They straight away get awkward and they don't want to sh- talk. But what I want to say is um, when you know your story and share your story, it's not always, very rarely does a person want to hear it and go, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus now. Most of the time they're like, you know, you come up against a brick wall and it's not always, you know, the reception you were hoping for. But you've got to train in those moments. These are the moments you train for. You know what I mean? So know your story, share your story, be prepared to have awkward moments at work. Go up to people on the streets, go, hey, can I pray for you? I know you've got to, can I pray for you? I've done that before and it's like nothing happened. I was like, oh, sorry, God. <laughs> <Guess it. laughs> One time we were in Forbes and um, we did a thing called a treasure hunt. Does anyone know what that is? So we did this treasure hunt, right? And um, I had a picture of a guy with blue jeans, a red checkered shirt, and um, I don't know, I forget what his name was, but I was looking for a certain guy. So we're walking all around Forbes trying to find this guy. I walk into this pub, walk to the back, and there's a pool table. There's two old blokes, old timers, playing pool. And I'm like, hey, guys, can I just have your attention for a second? I know this is weird. I'm doing this thing called a treasure hunt, and I'm trying to find a guy. You look like you could be him, man. Can I pray for you? No, get out of here, mate. That was his response. No, you get out of here, mate. We're right. And I was like, okay. Just walk out, of the, walk out of the pub. But I love those moments. You know why? I think, I think one of them is because I like awkward stuff. That's one thing. But two, just because once you do something like that, Everything else is, you know, it's pretty easy. <laughs> you know, and you've got to be willing to die. That's what the cross is, you know. You've got to be willing to die to yourself, to, to feel embarrassed and not know what the words to say, to try and go, oh, somewhere in Romans, I think it says, um, oh, can I get back to you? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Be willing to, like, Put yourself out there and get stumped and just do that over and over again. So I want to close with this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Can I get the band up? I want to kind of do this meditative thing, if we can. I want you to just close your eyes with me for a second, please. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. What I want you to do as your eyes are closed is I want you to think of your name. So for me, it would look like this. Henry, a husband, a father, a teacher, a leader of Christ Jesus called to St. Stephen's, something like that. What I want you to do is imagine who you are. What's your name? What is possibly your gift or your calling? That's a hard question. Is Jesus the center of your life? And, I'm, and I, am I in the will of God right now, right now here in this place? 
What is my name? What, am I, what is my calling or my gifts? Is Jesus the center? Am, am, am I in the will of God?